this series that we're in is going to lead us up to Valley Creek Go weekend, uh, actually through it. Um, but before we dive into sort of the text and the series this morning, I'm going to give you my best Valley Creek Go infomercial. Okay? So, I'm no Billy Mays, but we'll see what I can do here. Some of you guys don't even know who Billy Mays is, do you? All right. Um, anyways, so Valley Creek Go, some of you guys are familiar with it if you've been here for a while. Uh, some of you are new and you have no idea what I'm talking about right now and you've come to the right place because I'm going to try to explain it, all right? Uh, Valley Creek Go weekend will be Saturday, May the 21st and Sunday, May the 22nd, all right? That'll be so about three weeks from this weekend. Uh, and so it might be most helpful to think of sort of three big time slots, okay? Actually, let me back up. What, what we do at Valley Creek Go is we do, we go, right? We go... Uh, into the community. Uh, we've got some ministry partners, some, even some families, individuals in our church, and, and we're going to go get outside of the walls of this place, outside of the walls of our Springfield Road campus, and we're going to go and minister to people, uh, meet physical needs, tangible needs. Uh, there's work to be done, projects, right? We'll get to more of that in just a minute. Uh, but, but that weekend, right, May 21st and 22nd, uh, it's going to be most helpful probably to think in three big time slots. There will be a Saturday a.m. time slot from about 8.30 to noon, a Saturday p.m. time slot from about 12.30 to 4, uh, and then there will be another time slot, this is new this year, on Sunday morning from 8.30 to noon. Right? And, and during those uh, three time slots, right, there will be projects for, for you to work on if you sign up and help us out, which I'm hoping you will. Now, maybe you're thinking, wait a second, Sunday a.m., that's church. I know. I'll get back to that in just a minute. All right. I got a, we've got a, a plan for that. So uh, here's what we need you to do, though, is we need you to sign up to help us. All right. Because the missions team uh, has put together, they have done an incredible job uh, coordinating uh, with different ministry partners, ministry initiatives, uh, different projects in the community for us to go and, and help with. All right. So uh, literally, I, I just know what they tell me. They've done all the legwork. It's all them. They've done an incredible job. Uh, but they and, and we need your help. Uh, and we need your help by, by volunteering, being the manpower, the labor uh, to get some of these projects done. And so what we need from you is we need you to sign up. Okay? Now, here's how you do that. If you have already text VCGO to the number 94000, uh, then yesterday you should have gotten a link uh, sent to your phone to register for VCGO. Uh, if you did not get that link, uh, then that's okay, because you can go to our website. All right, you can go to vcbc.org, click on the announcements tab, that whole page, uh, and there is a link right there. It should be right up towards the top for you to register for uh, Valley Creek Go. I did it last night to make sure I sounded somewhat competent in telling you what to do. And uh, it's really, really easy. Like, you, you can't mess it up, okay? Actually, that, you probably can mess it up, but you shouldn't, okay? It's, it's pretty simple, right? The registration link's on the website. Uh, so that's the easiest way for you to sign up. If you are not tech savvy or maybe you have questions, about, right, then I would encourage you stop by the table in the, the lobby. When you walked in, on, walk, walked in, it was on your left. When you're walking out, it's going to be on your right. Uh, there's a table there. There'll be representatives from the missions team 
that can answer your questions uh, or get answers to your questions. And they can help you sign up today while you're here. And as an added perk, there are a limited number of t-shirts out there. So nothing gets people to move like a free t-shirt, right? <laughs> right? So if you get there early enough, there's a very limited supply. You can get a Valley Creek Goat t-shirt. If you got one last year, it's the same thing. So don't be trying to snatch up all the t-shirts, okay? So uh, that's what we need from you is to sign up today. Um, but let me come back to Sunday morning because there's some questions, right? We got, if we're going to be doing service stuff on Sunday morning, when we do in church, right? Great question. Uh, we are, so there'll be, there'll be no Sunday morning services at either campus, all right? Okay, that went better than I thought it would go. Good, all right? There'll be no Sunday morning service at either campus because that block of time is going to be us serving in the community. So what we're doing instead is that Sunday evening, 5 p.m. at our Springfield Road campus, just because it holds more people, we're going to have one combined worship service, 5 p.m. Right? So that's this campus, all of us, and that campus, both services of that campus, all in one room at one time, a worship service. Uh, and then after that, we're going to share a meal together. All right, so we've got one big worship service, one big family meal afterwards. It's going to be great. Think of it like it's like a big family reunion, just not as awkward. Or maybe more awkward. I don't know. We'll see. All right, we'll see how it shakes out. But next, not next Sunday, three Sundays, three weeks from now, Valley Creek Go, one combined worship service on that Sunday, a meal afterwards. So let me recap just so there's no confusion. You're going to hear this again plenty of times before then. So um, here's the ideal weekend for, for everyone in this room, is that you would sign up for one of those time slots, two on Saturday, one on Sunday. Pick one of those three, serve, give yourself to the, the good of your community, uh, to the the welfare of the city is how Jeremiah puts it in Jeremiah 29. Serve in your time slot. And then that Sunday evening, join us at Springfield Road, 5 p.m., to worship and break bread together. Got it? Clear as mud. All right, and listen, the, the unwritten rule of church communication is that I have not communicated it properly until you're tired of hearing about it. So you're going to hear about that more and more over the next few weeks, all right? So with that said... Um, let's transition to the sermon, infomercial, over, back to your regularly scheduled program. All right. Um, I have some good news and some bad news. And normally I would ask you what you want to hear first, but I have the microphone strapped to my face, so I've chosen for you. Uh, here's the good news. A couple weeks ago, uh, I had the, the opportunity, the privilege to go to a uh, conference just up the road in Louisville, spent about three days there listening and hearing from some of the most uh, gifted, influential pastors, ministry leaders, uh, sort of in the, really in the world. Some of them were literally from other parts of the world. Uh, and so, man, I just left feeling like encouraged and inspired and like ready to take on the world, right? Uh, and then the bad news is that I didn't preach last week, which... Some of you guys are like, that wasn't really bad news. It was kind of refreshing, okay? Here's why it's bad news. is because I've got two weeks of this just like simmering inside of me, and I've got to do something with it. So I hope your lunch plans are flexible. That's all I'm saying, all right? That's all I'm saying. Acts 1, where we're going to be at, Acts chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 
six. And we're going to try something that I knew it before, but I saw it at the conference. So we're going to try it together this morning. We'll see how it goes. All right. Um, here's what I mean. I'm going to read our passage here in just a minute. But because I believe that this is the word of God, right? I, I'm going to read the passage and then I'm going to say, this is the word of the Lord. And then we're going to we're gonna have a little back and forth here. I'm going to say, this is the word of the Lord. And if you agree that this is the word of the Lord, then you're going to say, thanks be to God. All right? It's a little liturgy for us on a Sunday morning. Don't let that word scare you. So we're going to try it. See how it goes. Here we go. Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 6. It says, So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of of the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Oh, nailed it. Beautiful. We're going to keep that going. All right. So uh, if you were here last week, you heard from uh, Jacob, our student pastor, who has significantly better facial hair than I do. And uh, he, if, if you were here and you were paying attention, then the verses that I just read should have sounded pretty familiar to you, similar at least to what uh, you heard last week. Because what you got here in uh, Luke 24 and Acts 1, really Jesus is giving not the exact same words to his disciples, but they're very, very similar. But they're, they're two different occasions, right? Luke wrote both the Gospel of Luke and he wrote uh, the book of Acts. And so last week, Jacob talked about uh, the, the disciples being in this upper, this, not the upper room, they were in a room locked behind the doors. Uh, the resurrected Jesus shows up and he gives them uh, some very, words that are very similar to this one, that they were to go out and, and spread the gospel to all nations. Okay? This, Acts chapter 1, is, is really, uh, it's a different scenario because they're not locked in a room hiding. Uh, Jesus has gathered his disciples on the mountainside and he's giving them uh, some last words before he is going to ascend into heaven. And he tells them almost the exact same thing he told them in, uh, in the room. Now, why would Jesus do that? Right, why would Jesus say, at the end of Luke, here's what you're going to do. 40 days later, come right back around and tell them again, here's what you're going to do. Well, if you have children or you've raised children, you know exactly why Jesus has to repeat himself. Right? Because far more often than not, like we don't need to learn something new as much as we need to be reminded of what we already know, right? I mean, we're forgetful people, all right? So just, I'll use myself as a case study here, all right? Personal example. Uh, I am a, I'm a nerd, all right? I'm just going to say it. My wife hates it when I say that. Uh, I am a nerd. I love to read. I love to, I'm, a, I'm an Enneagram 5, if that means anything to you. Right? It means I just love to learn and study and read and, like, just gain and grow in knowledge. Um, but here's what's true of me. As much as I love to learn and grow and study and do all this stuff, when it comes to walking in obedience to the Lord, um, it, I, what I need is to usually act on what I already know, not just learn something new. 
right? I, far more often than not, I just need to do what I already know to do, what the Lord has already called me to do, right? Or if I could flip that sort of conversely, the areas where I'm most prone to get jammed up or hung up, it's not because I don't know something. It's because I've either uh, ignored or just failed to act on what I already know is true and right and what the Lord requires of me. And this is true for most of us, right? Most of us, we can relate to that. Like we, if we've been following Jesus for any time at all, and you've actually been sort of applying yourself a little bit, like listening to some teaching, reading your Bible, chances are like you probably have a pretty good idea of what the Lord requires of you. Maybe not everything. You may not know everything about everything. You've got plenty of room to grow. I've got plenty of room to grow. But when it comes to obedience, most of us know what to do we just don't always do it, right? We need to be reminded. And so here, Jesus is reminding his disciples of what they already know to do. He told them at the end of, of Luke's gospel, locked in this room, hiding out of fear for the religious leaders. Right now, 40 days later, before he's going to ascend to heaven uh, to be at the right hand of the Father, he's going to leave them. He gives them this one last word, and it's not some new piece of advice. It's not some new word. It's not some new revelation. It's this is what I've told you before. This is what you're to go and do. All right? So spent too much time on that already. Let's look at verse 6. Here's what it says. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? All right? So what you got here is, uh, the disciples, they're, they're gathered around Jesus. He's about to ascend to heaven. And they ask him this question before he goes. Um, Lord, is, is it this time? Is it now when you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And, and really what their question was is they've sort of reverted back to uh, asking uh, about Jesus' role as the Messiah. Right? Because for, for thousands of years, the Jews believed that the Messiah, when, when he came and, and came to power, like he would... Uh, basically be like a, a political force, right? That he would uh, purge Israel of all her enemies, right? Restore her to political power and prominence. And that's what they're asking again here, right? Maybe they're still a little bit hopeful that even though Jesus came as the Messiah and he didn't really overthrow the Roman oppressors, uh, maybe before he goes, that's what he's going to do, right? So maybe they're even a little bit hopeful. And Jesus says to them, here's his response in verse 7, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Right? So, so they're asking about what are you going to do as the Messiah? You're going to restore Israel to power. And, and Jesus goes on to say, uh, he's, he kind of lets them down gently instead of being like, guys, you've totally missed the point here. Uh, he just says, hey, listen, there are things that God has revealed to you. There are things that God has not revealed to you. So this, this question about Israel being restored to power, like that's, that's one of the things that is not, it's not been revealed to you. Right? What, but what has been revealed to you is what I'm calling you to do. Right? What, what has been revealed is what I'm calling you to do. Like this is, this is true. If we just think about this, God has not revealed everything let me back up. God has revealed everything we need to know. Right? Everything that we need to know about him, everything we need to know about Jesus, everything we need to know about salvation, God has revealed all of that to us. God has not revealed everything we want to know. 
Anybody got questions for God? I do. Right? For example, did Adam and Eve have belly buttons? Some of you guys have never thought about that, have you? Some of you guys, you won't hear anything else I've said this morning because you're going to be like, wow, my mind is blown. I don't know. Right? But for real though, we've got questions. And Jesus is saying to his disciples, like, hey, your questions are fine, but, but that's not the point. Right? What's, those things are uncertain, but here's what's certain, what I've called you to do. And he goes on and he tells them in verse 8 what they've been called to do. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Right? One of the things that stands out to me in that verse is just the certainty of it. Right? Look at the language again. Right? Jesus says, you will receive power. Right? Not you might receive power, not you could receive power, right? but there's a certainty to it. You will receive power, and you'll receive that power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Right? It's not if the Holy Spirit shows up, it's when the Holy Spirit shows up. And when he shows up, uh, he's bringing power. And it's not the kind of power they, just, they were just asking about. Right? It's, it's not political power. It's not, uh, like, it's not worldly power in, in any sense. Right? It's, it's a different kind of power. It's the kind of power that will literally change the world. Right? The kind of power that, that governments and political systems can only dream of. Right? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And not only will you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes, but he says, you will be my witnesses. Right? Not you could be my witnesses, not you might be my witnesses, not I recommend that you be my witnesses. Right? This is Jesus saying you will be my witnesses. Right? In other words, this is a non-negotiable for anyone that, that claims to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. We are witnesses. Like That's who we are by very nature of our new identity. You will be my witnesses. Right? Jesus is not interested in, in making suggestions or recommendations. Right? This is an authoritative sort of declaration. This is who you are. You are my witnesses. So we've got the who, Jesus' disciples, right? which is those here in this day and us. Right? We've got... Uh, so we've got the who, we've got the what, which is receiving power, being witnesses. Right? But then uh, the next thing that Jesus gives us is the where. Right? He says this in verse 8, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So as a reminder, this conversation between Jesus and his disciples is happening on a hillside. Uh, they're, they're in Jerusalem. Right, so he's saying, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, which essentially he's saying, you'll be my witnesses here where you are now. Like where, where I have placed you, where God has placed you right now, this is where you begin being witnesses. Right? But the good news of, of Jesus 
is not to just stay where they are, right? It doesn't just stay in their homes and in their communities. It, it, right, it expands. And so he says, this goes to uh, Judea and Samaria. I don't have a map, but if you were to look at a map of first century Israel this time, you've got Jerusalem, kind of the, the main hub, the, the central uh, city where everything's going down. And then the areas around that, you've got Judea and Samaria. So it's just this idea of, of you'll be my witnesses where you are now, but you won't stay there because the good news, the gospel, expands and advances. Right? But it doesn't just go there. Right? It goes to the ends of the earth, is what Jesus says. Right? The, the good news of the gospel is, is, yes, for where you are now, yes, it's for the areas that surround you, but the good news of Jesus is for all peoples in all countries, all nations, in all times. That's who the good news of Jesus is for. Right? It, is, it is for, uh, if you look at Revelation, there's this scene of, of what uh, heaven will be like one day, and it says there's a, a tribe, a multitude that no one can number of every tribe, tongue, and nation. Because the good news of Jesus is for every tribe, tongue, and nation to the end of the earth. So what Jesus is, is saying here is that the kingdom of God advances. Right, remember, their, their question was political. The kingdom of God advances not, not by just purging Israel of her political enemies. Right, the kingdom of God would advance as these disciples were witnesses and engaged the world around them as witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Right? In fact, you read the book of Acts, that's, that's what the whole book of Acts is, is these disciples uh, spend a while in Jerusalem, then they're sent out into the areas around Jerusalem. And this mission still continues today to the end of the earth. Right? There are still people groups in this world that have never heard the name of Jesus. Like just, just no concept of who Jesus is. Right, so the mission still continues, that we would be as witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and to the ends of the earth. So here's what I want to do. I want to give you a, a couple of thoughts and application, because like I said, this, this is still for us. This mission to go and be witnesses is still for us as disciples some 2,000 years later. And so what I want to do is give you maybe a, a little bit of, of application, if I could, and then we're just going to pray that the Lord would help us to do it because we need his help to do it, right? So um, back to the mission. Be witnesses in, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the end of the earth. That's a little daunting, right? I don't know if any of you guys are like me. Sometimes like if I have something I've got to do, this big project, like, like it's just overwhelming to look at the whole thing and be like, I don't know where to start. Right? Anybody ever have that by show of hands? Am I the only one with paralysis by analysis? Yeah? Okay. So, so we got this big, daunting mission. Where does it start? Well, remember what Jesus said. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. It starts where you are now. Right? It starts where you are now. And so you, you've heard me say it before if you've been here for any length of time, and you'll hear me say it uh, it's probably a million times again, so long as the Lord has me here, right? Here's what 
here's what Acts 17.26 says. Is that the Lord, God, in his sovereignty, has determined the allotted time periods and dwelling places, all mankind. Which means that God has you where you are for a reason. God has you where you are on purpose. You might think it's an accident you are where you are. Maybe it was a job that moved you here. Maybe it was the military that moved you here. Uh, you may think it's an accident. You may think it's coincidence. But, but the God of the Bible has sovereignly put you exactly where he's put you on purpose. Right? The, the home that you're in, you're there on purpose. The neighborhood you live in, you're there on purpose. The place that you work, you're there on purpose. The school that you go to, you're there on purpose. Right? We, can, we can go on and on and on. You are where you are on purpose. Right? And, and that, is, that is Jerusalem for you. And so God's plan in, in ushering in his kingdom in those places where you are is you. Right? You're the plan. You, the church, me, us, the church. We are God's plan for advancing and expanding his kingdom. And there is no plan B. Right? It's, that's on us. And so along those lines, we don't have time to go into a sort of a, a history of, of recent church movements, but I think, and I'll, this is, it's conjecture. This is just me talking, okay? I'm going to acknowledge that. I think, I don't know if you're familiar with like seeker-sensitive movements or like these over, uh, overly revivalistic movements. I, th I think one of the unintentional byproducts of those is it's created this idea that, uh, that the church service is where the gospel is preached and heard and responded to. Now it is. I'll get back to that in just a minute, right? But, but I think w what I mean by that is, is because of the last few decades in the church world, it's like this has become the central part where we believe everybody, like if we just get every unbeliever we can here on a Sunday morning from 1030 to 12, we'll sing a few songs, the preacher will preach the gospel, they'll respond, we'll give them three to five minutes to respond during the invitation song. That's where the gospel is preached and heard and responded to. And it should be. Right? It is. If, if I'm not preaching the gospel here, about, if, if I'm not preaching about the life, death, resurrection of Jesus with consistency and regularity, like you need to find another pastor. But what I'm contending is that this is not the only place where the gospel is shared. Right? The gospel is shared in the places where, where you have been sovereignly placed by God right? in your homes. Parents, especially of young children, like you realize the, the first unbelievers or the unbelievers closest to you are sometimes your children? Like that's your mission field, your home, your workplace. Right? The, the gospel should be Shared and should be expanding. The kingdom of God should be expanding uh, in your, your workplaces. Conversations with coworkers over uh, at the in the break room or, or over lunch or whatever work looks like for you, right? Conversations uh, with your your neighbors, maybe across the fence, or uh, if you want to get real crazy, invite them over for supper, 
right? Not so you can trap them in your house and have like an evangelistic meeting, but like just get to know them, right? So that you can share the good news of Jesus with them. Right? And now listen, I'm not saying that you have to go into every conversation with someone like cannonball, like, do you know Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior? Also, my name is Jonas. Like, that's weird. Don't do that. Right? Like, just like, be a normal person. Right? You, don't have to, you don't have to have every conversation as a trip down the Romans road. Uh, you, you don't have to... Listen, here's what I would strongly advise against, especially if it's somebody you don't know very well. Don't start the conversation with, hey, if you were to die right now, do you know where you'd spend eternity? That, that's a great way for them to never listen to anything else you ever say, okay? Uh, or call the cops on you at worst, okay? So I'm not saying like every conversation has to be like a, right, it's right into the deep end, but here's what I am saying. What if in your home, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, you just began to lean in a little bit? And rather than seeing these people as uh, family members, as mere neighbors, as mere co-workers, as mere acquaintances or friends. What do you begin to say those places as the mission field? Your Jerusalem, where Jesus has, has called you to go and make disciples, to be witnesses. Right? And you began to, to lean in and, and listen for and look for opportunities to just sprinkle some salt, to shed some light, all the while praying and asking that the, that the Lord would give you the, the perfect opportunity to share the reason for the hope that is in you. Right? That's what we're talking about. So here's all that sounds good. Right? Sounds good here in this room. And we'd all be like, yes, that's a great idea. I'm going to do it. And then when we leave this room, I know it gets really hard. Right? right? I'm a pastor. And sometimes it's awkward for me. Right? What makes it hard for me is sometimes when people find out you're a pastor, then it's like, oh, you're a pastor, huh? Right? I'm sorry. I'm sorry I used the language I just did. It's, it's, you're you, man. That's fine. All right? But here's what I know. Whenever we, we leave this place, that's when it gets hard. Right? There's all kinds of anxieties and, and fears and insecurities, sometimes just excuses that creep in. Like, I don't, I don't know enough. Uh, I don't, I'm not uh, eloquent enough. What if somebody asks me a question that I don't know the answer to or I can't respond to? And we could come up with, with a million of these reasons for why we actually don't share, why we don't live as the witnesses he's called us to. Right, but, but here's, I just want to give you a, a, just a little bit of encouragement this morning. At least it's encouraging to me. All right, this is in Acts chapter 4. It's kind of around this idea of these disciples as they go out and, uh, and share and so, to kind of set the scene, I'm not going to preach this, I'm just going to set it up and read one verse for you. Peter and John have been sharing the gospel, preaching the gospel, teaching about Jesus. Uh, they've even done some healing, and it's got them uh, in uh, deep, deep waters with the, uh, some of the religious leaders, the, the religious council there of the day. And so they pull Peter and, and John in, they begin to question them, like, why are you, what are you doing? What are you talking about? Why are you teaching this? All right, and here's, here's what it says. Uh, about this interaction between Peter and John and this council. It says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been 
with Jesus. I love that. The the thing that caught their eye, the thing they noticed, that these guys that were teaching and preaching about Jesus, man, they didn't have seminary degrees. Right? They don't have any like special eloquent skills other than that they had spent some time with Jesus. Now, to be sure, that's kind of awesome, right? I mean, ideally, you're spending time with the Lord on a regular basis, not in the, in the flesh, but with the Holy Spirit, right? In, your, in the Word, right? Ideally, you're spending time with Jesus. You don't, you don't have to be uh, educated. You don't have to have uh, some long list of all your, your accolades, to just share, to be a witness. Right? I love that the word witness is what's used. You know what a witness does? They just talk about what they've seen and heard. Right? You, 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 don't have to like, you don't have to go through some long list of theological concepts. Although if you want to have that conversation with me, I love that kind of stuff, so we can have that chat. Right? But, but just in sharing, you're just a witness. This is what I've seen and heard an experience, and I just want to share it with you. That's what it means to be, to be a witness. All right, and Peter and John, common, uneducated men, and they recognize they've been with Jesus. All right, so here's how I want to conclude our time. All right, if, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you've been empowered with the Holy Spirit, you have everything you need to be a witness. You have everything you need. So how I want to conclude our time together this morning is that we would just pray that the Lord would help us to do it. Because later on in chapter 4 that I I just read the one verse from, Peter and John, they come back to their friends after the council releases them. uh, And then they begin to explain all that happened. And and here's what they did. Actually, here's what they didn't do. They They didn't stop preaching. They didn't stop teaching. They didn't change their strategies. Later on in chapter 4, it says that when they came back and told their friends what had happened, their friends gathered around them and they just prayed for boldness. That they would continue to do what they were doing. So that's what I want to do for us this morning. Because again, I don't think that we need to know something new to go and be witnesses. I just think we need to be bold enough, courageous enough to actually do it. All right? So I'm going to pray to that end, and the band's going to come and sing, and we'll call it a day. All right? Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray together. Father, we come to you this morning, and my suspicion, I, I, I am not omniscient, I am not sovereign, I do not know everything, I do not know everyone in this room, but my suspicion is that most of us know what you've called us to. We just need to do it. And, and Father, I am not exempt from that prayer. I have places and spaces where, where you've called me to. And so my prayer this morning is for all of us in this room, everyone under the sound of my voice, everyone that's maybe tuning in online, uh, I just pray similar to what the disciples prayed in in Acts 4, that you would give us courage and boldness to share the reason for the hope that is within us. Would help us to be be just intentional in in looking. Maybe our prayer this morning is just that we would 
begin to see these places we live in, we work in, we play in, not as just places we go and things we do, but as mission fields that you have called us to. Lord, help us to see that the men and women and children and families that are in our spheres of influence, Lord, help us to see them as people that you love, people that you, you sent Jesus to the cross to die for. Lord, keep us uh, mindful of that and, and, and help us to move towards them with the good news of Jesus. Give us, give us wisdom to know how to have those conversations in ways that, uh, that, that are encouraging and, and not off-putting. Lord, in our fears and our insecurities and our doubts about our own abilities, uh, Lord, I pray that you would remind us that, that we have the Holy Spirit, that we have all that we need to share the good news of Jesus. So, Lord, I pray that you would help us to do that, give us boldness, courage to do that. And then, Father, I, I pray just in advance that, uh, Lord, as we, as we are faithful to, to water, to plant and to water, we just ask that you would give the growth. Father, there is, there is none of us in this room that has the power or the ability to save anyone. Right? Only you can do that. So, so use us to be your vessels, uh, your, your mouthpieces. Then, Father, I pray that, that you would save. That you would save. Not because of what we do, but just through our best efforts. So, Lord, I pray that you would send us out in boldness and courage. Help us to be faithful to what you've, you've called us to do. Help us to be faithful witnesses as you've called us to be. We pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.